Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joe Tossi from TechTables.com, and you're listening to the Public Sector Show by TechTables. This podcast features human-centric stories from public sector CIOs, CISOs, and technology leaders across federal, state, city, county, and higher education. You'll gain valuable insights into current issues and challenges faced by top leaders. Through interviews, speaking engagements, live podcast tour events, we offer you a behind-the-mic look at the opportunities top leaders are seeing today. And to make sure you never miss an episode, head over to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and hit that follow button and leave a quick rating. Just tap the number of stars that you think this show deserves. And to continue this darn good conversation, head over to the Q&A section on Spotify. U.S. Navy SEAL and now leadership instructor, speaker, and strategic advisor with Echelon Front. This is actually where I met JP at Echelon Front event called Muster, which is great. And he serves as the director of experiential leadership and training programs. JP spent a decade or nearly a decade in the SEAL teams with three combat deployments sent to the violent terrorist stronghold of Ramadi crazy in Iraq in 2006 and the SEAL teams three task unit bruiser JP served as the point man machine gunner and lead sniper for Delta platoon opposite of the American sniper Chris Kyle who was in Charlie platoon for his leadership and courage under fire JP was awarded a silver star two bronze stars with valor and army commendation medal with valor helping task unit bruiser become the most highly decorated special operation of the Iraq war he worked closely with SEAL team officers Jocko Willenick, his task unit commander, and Leif Babin, who's a driving force on many of the daring combat operations Jocko and Leif wrote about in Extreme Ownership. And I wanted to read that intro because I just wanted to say, hey, JP, thank you for serving. You served at the highest level and just really grateful for that. I appreciate it. Thank you. It was an absolute honor to be able to serve. Growing up, I wanted to be a Navy SEAL. So I used to play Navy SEALs growing up. So for me to be able to fulfill that childhood dream was, it was an honor. And I had a lot of fun doing my job. When people thank me for my service, I sometimes get a little uncomfortable because I never thought while I was in the SEAL teams that I was being forced to do anything I didn't want to do or that my life was horrible. It was awesome, man. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, no, I love that. And I was thinking that I can't even begin to comprehend the mentality and the mindset required to go in and just execute at that level. I didn't know my father, but my father was a Marine. And actually, when he had passed away last year, I didn't know this, but they dug up his record and he had this machete that he had in Vietnam and I found it. So I was gifted this. Look how crazy this is. That's outstanding. Yeah. So this is one of two things that I have from my father who he left when I was five, but I didn't really know the guy, but his unit in Vietnam was hit and he was the only one he got dragged out. So he had, there's a lot of mental stuff there, but yeah, pretty crazy. So I've, I just really enjoy military history and have a special place in my heart for folks who have served, especially since I get to enjoy just podcasting from my house, <laughs> people like JP. Let's jump in. Why don't you just give us five to 10 minutes on your background on the SEAL teams, and then we're going to jump in. We're gonna actually going to pick up JP's story during his transition period. And I'm going to link to all the other podcast content that JP already has. But why don't you just give us five to 10 minutes of back? Yeah, joined the Navy right after high school, went through boot camp, basic schooling in the Navy, went to San Diego to go through BUDS, which is basic underwater demolition SEAL training. It's a hard training that you hear about that people go through to become a Navy SEAL. It's our selection process. When I started that training day one, there was 222 guys in that class that started the training. And when we graduated, I was one of 28 of those originals that started day one that graduated with the same class. So high attrition rate, hard training, obviously it's supposed to be, but I really enjoyed it. I had the mindset of, I get to do this when I was going through training and that mindset of, I get to do helped me really push through those hard, difficult times that you think you are in, but then also the instructors are creating this environment to be worse than it actually is to see who's going to quit, to see who's going to not be there during those hard times. And that's all that training is, is just trying to weed out who's doesn't really want to be there. And then made through that training, went through our advanced training that prepares you for the SEAL teams, checked into SEAL team three, had a deployment to Iraq. The first deployment was pretty decent. We were doing personal security detail, not what we wanted to do. But it was a job and they, it was a job that they trusted us to be able to do properly and we did that job good. Came back from that deployment, and that's when Jocko Willink came in to be our task unit commander. He took over our task unit Bravo, changed our name. We became task unit Bruiser. 
to give us a new identity, new self-worth. Jocko told us the truth about what we could possibly be up against, which is critical that leaders do is making sure that you're telling your team the truth so that they don't start creating their own versions of the truth. And Jocko knew that was a good way to keep us engaged, to give us ownership, to drive ownership so that we would be able to make those hard decisions on our own. And that workup was very empowering working for Jocko, Leif. We deployed to Ramadi. It was an awesome deployment. We killed a lot of bad guys on that deployment. We helped deliver a lot of impact which is even more important than killing bad guys to the local populace. We were able to drive ownership to the local populace, which was critical to the turning of the tides in the Battle of Ramadi, honestly, to see the impact of these kids being able to go to school again. Because when we're in Ramadi, there are no forms of education allowed for women and children, which is crazy when we think about, right? But that was a reality there. And it was sad. And we had turned... Ramadi, one of the most violent and deadly and dangerous neighborhoods in the world to eventually became the safest area in all of Iraq. After that deployment, I came back. I went to training because I had an injury, pulled me from the platoon. And that's when I went to trade it, which is the training detachment for all the West Coast SEAL teams where I was working for Jocko. And we started to revamp all the training for all the West Coast SEAL teams. It was incredible being a part of that. And that's where I really started to learn and see the power of leadership firsthand. While I was there, I deployed to Afghanistan and had a really good deployment to Afghanistan, helping out a group that was deployed over there. Got in a few gunfights, got to see work at a different level, just a different way that guys were conducting operations, which was really cool. Learned a lot, came back, was able to push some of that stuff back into training as well. Hey, these are how these guys are doing it. These are things that are changing. And then I was getting ready to rotate back into the SEAL teams because I've been at training for probably longer than I should have. And that's when I met my wife. And I was going to move her and Aiden, my bonus boy, he's my stepson, but he's mine, to, I was going to move him to San Diego. We were getting married. And then Amanda got pregnant and found out she's pregnant with twins. And it was just going to be too much for her moving away from her mom and dad and her friends. She's a small town Mississippi girl. And so to go from that to San Diego with, and then I was going to be gone all the time doing a workup and deployment. It just wasn't fair. And so I decided that I was going to get out so I could focus on my marriage. I'd already had failed marriages and relationships and all this other stuff. And I just, I didn't want to do that again. And all my failed relationships in the past were 100% my fault because I always put the SEAL teams number one. And in order for you to be successful in the SEAL teams, that's something you have to do. And I decided that chapter in my life was a really good chapter, but it was just a chapter and I had to move on. And so I decided to get out of the military and that was a rough transition out. I started doing sales at a financial company and I was struggling because I didn't establish a new mission. I didn't take the time. That's where a lot of veterans and a lot of first responders and college athletes and professional athletes and humans that transition from one thing to the next, the ones that struggle are the ones that fail to establish a new mission. They don't take the time to sit down and think, okay, what's my purpose? What's my goal? What is my why? Why am I doing what I'm doing right now? They're just going through the motions, which is fine. Sometimes you just got to go through the motions. There's no denying that. There's a time that you just, you go to work, you grind it out. And I hate saying grind because I think too many people have abused that term. They're like, I'm grinding. You're like, no, you're working a nine to five, bro. That's not grinding it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah. Hey, going, working your nine to five and going to the gym for an hour is not grinding it out. You're doing what humans are supposed to do. I look at people with two to three jobs, raising kids and trying to go to school to get a degree. They're grinding. Yeah. They're the ones that are working their asses off. And so I just failed to establish a new mission. Now, I was a hard worker. I was coachable. I was teachable. I was getting after it with this new company, but everything else started to fall apart, my man. And it was as it was a rough transition. Yeah. And we're going to, and this is where we're going to pick this up. And But before we pick it up, there are some stuff. So I love that you said bonus son. When I married my wife, she had a daughter, Annabelle. And so we could use bonus daughter. So that's, I haven't actually heard someone say bonus 
and, and so I love that bonus son. Yeah, bonus yeah. daughter. And then my wife and I, we had a son. So yeah, I love the bonus piece. Driving ownership. Before we go a little bit deeper, I love driving ownership. I try and do this with my basketball team because when kids come in, and I think this was like young adults too, they just have this victim mentality and they don't, they need to break out of that. And when you're probably, when you're the commander or you're the leader or the coach, whether you're in an organization or a high school team or whatever, you, it's your job to, to start to mold and shape that new mindset and that new belief and breaking down those belief patterns. So I love that, especially for the folks living in Ramadi. When you think about the women and children and how they're conditioned, how they're trained, and you're bringing an entirely new perspective that you know, actually you can own your life, you can go to school, and we can open that up. It wasn't an option. Yeah. And that's what I get so frustrated with people in America and other first world countries that complain about the things that are going on. And let me be honest, I do that sometimes myself. Like we all fall victim to that. But I would like to think that I am pretty quick to remind myself about, hey, hold on, pause. And I have a saying that I share with people all the time is my worst day is somebody's dream. Like the worst day of my life is somebody's dream. They would love to have those hardships because if they had those hardships, they meant they have all the other stuff that I have. And so it's easy for us as humans to, like you said, play the victim card and be upset with the situations that we're in. One, we're not getting shot at every day. We're not in the middle of gunfights. Like innocent families were stuck in an area where there was actual gunfights happening every single day. There's mortars being launched into their town every single day. There's enemy fighters coming in and basically saying, hey, if you don't comply with what we're saying, if you don't do what we need you to do, we're going to come back and we're going to torture and murder your whole family. That's not happening in America. Yep. That's not happening. Yep. That was happening every single day because these enemy fighters had complete control over that region until we showed up. And when I say we, not just tasking a bruiser, but we as tasking a bruiser and the soldiers and Marines that came in to work together, one team, one fight, understanding what the mission is and understanding that we needed to work together. And it didn't matter who got the credit. It didn't matter who was the primary assault force and who was secondary and who was setting security and supporting up. We were the supporting element. Jocko said, hey, instead of us being the main element like we're used in the SEAL teams, we're actually going to be the supporting element. And the reason why is because this is what these soldiers and Marines are going to do. And the best way that we can serve them, the best way that we can help with all this is to actually serve them. So it's very unique. And it really changes your mindset when you can truly be aware enough of what's going on to, to detach and push back a little bit and say, okay, Hey, what is this really about? You look at sports teams, the ones that do really well are the ones that they put the rest of the team first. Those are the teams that thrive is when all the individuals actually put the rest of the team above themselves those are the ones that do really well because they communicate. They understand, okay, hey, this is what we're trying to do. At the end of the day, you're trying to win. You're trying to win that game. It doesn't matter how you win the game. Let's take football, okay? I'm not a big sports guy, but let's, football is easy enough for me to be able to relate. You're working with that team. Does it matter if you win the game just throwing passes? You throw passes the whole time. Nobody runs. No, there's no field goals. But you win. Are you mad about that win? No one's ever mad about winning. You shouldn't be, right? Yeah. Can you imagine the attitude of somebody going, I didn't get to run the ball once. This is bull. That Could you imagine? Or, okay, say you're a wide receiver and you win the game, but all they do is run. They just run the ball every single time because that's how they can win. Against the team that they're playing, their run defense is horrible. And so you capitalize on that so that your team can win. Is anybody going to complain about that? That's actually a great example. I have this issue with high schoolers where on the basketball team, they complain, some complain about playing time and will win, but you see it with the kids where they, hey, I didn't get to play. And it's like, tonight, I just didn't require what I like needed of you tonight. So like you, but I need you on the bench, cheering your teammates on and yeah. being there for them. And I think I have some kids where I said, no, you need to wait for an opportunity will come. 
you just need to be ready. And I, this season alone, I lost guys on my team. And, I, and part of it was due to COVID. It was opportunities pop up to play. But if you're not ready and I, maybe you're complaining or you're just not practicing, then when that opportunity comes, you're not ready to play. And I can't play you. And so there's a time to be ready for that. So for me, as you talk about that, reminds me of Ramadi. I was our lead sniper for Delta Platoon. Chris Kyle was the lead sniper for Charlie Platoon. The snipers got a lot of credit in Ramadi because of what we did. And we shot a lot of people. All right. That's just, that was part of it. But guess what? We would not have been able to do if it wasn't for our machine gunners that were providing security the whole time. We wouldn't have been able to do what we did. If it wasn't for the comms guys calling in, that's what makes a SEAL effective. It's the team. It's the diversity of all the guys, all the skill sets on that team. And there's guys that are really good at getting guys prepared to rise to that next level. And I've seen this with sports teams that I've talked to. But there's guys that understand, like, hey, they don't get a lot of playing time. But because they're on the team during practice, they're getting – those top guys even more prepared to go out and win. And that's what makes a good member of society is when they put other people first. One of the things that we talk about at Echelon Front, we always ask people, hey, what makes a really good Navy SEAL? And when I initially ask you that, you're probably thinking tenacity and grit and discipline and all this hard work, right? Those are the things that you're thinking about. And those are all good traits. But what makes a good Navy SEAL is the person, the guy that puts the team first. That's what makes a good Navy SEAL. Because if you don't put the team first, you're not putting the mission first. And if you don't put the mission first, that means that you're not going to take care of the team to accomplish the mission. So you have to take care of the team. You have to put the team first. Yeah, I love that. So I have my own Tech Tables notebook, but in today's honor, I'm using my lead win notebook from the event. And and inside here, we got mindsets for victory. And one of them, probably, I don't know, they're all really important, but humility. So check the ego is the number one killer in business life. And for those who who want more content with JP, I can't even do justice. I really struggled. I was telling my wife, there's so many good episodes with JP out there that are really deep. So episode 46 on the Jocko podcast, episode 246, episode 309, you will get 10x more JP on these podcasts. And there's some additional links. I think there's even a video I watched JP wearing sandals and some flip-flops and some beachwear giving a talk on stage somewhere. So there's a lot of content with JP out there. But just for our time today, I really wanted to frame the episode around this concept that heavy is the head that wears the crown. And it's pretty heavy. Could you just maybe take us back to that dark place where I've got some folks who are in some dark places right now. I've got some high schoolers in some dark places right now. What was that spot like? And then maybe some strategies on how you can, or some suggestions and helpful hints of, hey, how can we help these folks climb out? How did you climb out? Yeah, it's a good question because we all go through dark times. And I feel like we go through dark times when we feel helpless. And the best way to get out of those dark times is when you decide to take control over your life, when you take ownership over the situation that you're in. Because when you take ownership, it's liberating. Because if you truly believe that it is your responsibility, that you can take ownership over these things that have happened in your life, then you can find a solution to the problem. You can work your way out of that situation. But you have to believe it. You can't just, you can't fake ownership. You've been to the muster. You've read the books. You've listened to podcasts. You know this to be true. You can't fake ownership. You have to believe it. You have to truly look at the situation and find ways to make it your fault. And the problem with that is that means that you're going to have humility. You're going to have to check your ego. And most humans, have a really hard time checking their ego, subordinating their ego to have enough humility to say, hey, this is 100% my fault. Not, hey, this part is my, that's partial ownership doesn't work. You have to take complete ownership of the situation that you're in and say, hey, I'm in this dark place because I allowed 
this to happen. I allowed this person to be in my life for too long. I didn't realize that they were a toxic person. I was blind to all these signs. And if I had paid attention to this and this, I would have realized that this person should not be in my life. And if that person wasn't in my life, I wouldn't be in this bad situation. I wouldn't have made the decisions that I made that put me in this spot. You actively have to find ways to make it your fault and make it your responsibility to fix the problems that you're in. That's the only way that you're going to drive out of it. And that's what was going on. That's what was wrong in my life at that time was I just had not taken the time to really analyze what was wrong in my life. I was blaming everybody because that's the easy thing. The easy way is, oh, hey, it's my wife's fault that we're in this situation because I got out of the military and I was really good. And I had a steady paycheck on the first and 15th of every month. And I could have had retirement if I would have stayed in. I had all these like thoughts in my mind. I was blaming literally everybody else in my life. And I got to the point to where it just all fell apart. Our marriage fell apart. We ended up getting divorced. She signed, she served me divorce papers because that's how bad of an environment we were in. That's how toxic of a person I was. And so I signed the divorce papers. I gave them back to her on our anniversary. I waited until our anniversary. I signed them on that day and gave them back to her on our anniversary just to prove a point. That's how angry I was at everything. And so I do all this stuff and I'm still blaming everybody. I'm blaming her. I'm blaming her parents. I'm blaming the military. It was horrible and everything fell apart. It's really easy to stay in that dark bad place because there's an attraction to being the victim because you think people are going to give you all this attention and people crave attention. They do. People crave attention. What drives that attention? It's our ego. And so when you fail to subordinate your ego, when you fail to show humility, you're going to stay in that dark place. And so if you can find a way to detach from your emotions, assess the environment that you're in, and then come up with a plan as to how you can get yourself out of the situation and then take action, that's how you'll move out of it. And that victimhood, you think about attention, right? Especially with kids, because I just work with high schoolers all the time. So is my greatest example. But when I look at them, they, they just crave attention and it's just this cycle that's reinforced and you see it and it's the ego, right? They love the ego stroke. They love the attention and it just keeps going. And, but their life is spiraling out of control and you're trying to let them look past, have a greater vision than just today or the next hour. They don't even focus on today. It's like the next hour. One thing I love about entrepreneurship is... It's the ultimate reality check, right? To take ownership or you will not be in business. And yeah. I love that. And I was on the podcast and I don't know if it was you, Jocko or Echo, but if you, gotta, if you want to survive, you have to go out and hunt. You have to go kill something. Even Dave Ramsey will say, right, you've got to kill something, drag it home and cook that sucker. And so it's one of those where... And that's probably why like extreme ownership is super popular with entrepreneurs and folks in business and things like that. But you really have to, at the end of the day, say to yourself, hey, this is on me. And now I can, now that I take ownership, it's actually super liberating because now you get to the point, super liberating. You get to the point where you say, okay, I've got ownership over this. Now, what do I need to do? today and everyone's been a different season and so talk about why okay so i've got a wife i've got a kids i'm super blessed to grow up where i am in southern california and i'm going to use my time wisely like i only have so much time and not everyone has the opportunity to be blessed with so much time and you think about that in entrepreneurship it's okay now i'm going to execute on what i need to do every single day. And if it's not working, you've got to have a check in with yourself or your team and figure it out. And so I think I was listening to the podcast. It might've been 246 where Jocko was telling you, Hey, JP, like we only have work if 
we book clients. That's the only way we get paid, <laughs> which I love. That's the only way it works. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I think, the ultimate form of, I want to say like manhood. I don't know if that's like the right word, but the ultimate form, like outside of the military in business, you compete yeah. 24 by seven, right? Kill, yeah. Right? That's yep. the way we do it. And that's the way it was when I was doing sales as well. It, I was, no, I'm lying. They gave me a small base at the beginning, but they're like, hey, this base goes away in six months. And so I knew I needed to be making money ASAP. I love that feeling because it, <clears throat> excuse me, it allows you to combat complacency. Because had I gotten out of the military and I got a job where I was making, I don't know, let's just say like a six figure base. That's a good living, right? That's especially you go from the military, you're making six figures, like complacency is going to creep in. And I love the fact that Echelon Front, I still to this day, even though I myself and Dave Burke have helped Jocko and Leif build out this company, I'm the director of experiential leadership training. I do keynotes and workshops, strategic advising, executive coaching. I do all this stuff. I still don't get paid until Echelon Front gets paid. And once they get paid, then I get paid based off of that. And I love it because I got to work, work. I love it, man. It keeps you. Yeah, yeah, that hunger. Even so when you run a business, you sign a contract. It's funny because just because you signed the contract, that's not actually payday. So you've got whatever the terms are. Yeah, not until it goes to the bank account. And I saw this a long time ago. I just pulled up my iPad. Where it was just an entrepreneur magazine, but it was seven reasons why your salary job is like crack cocaine you love that complacency you keep taking the hit and it trains you to always expect that check to be coming and then oftentimes when there's a recession or a company reorgs or something like that you get smacked upside the head and you're laid off and now that addiction's been taken away yeah we don't as leaders and <laughs> taking ownership we do not want to be addicted to crack cocaine <laughs> the salary yeah. So when I was at Muster, by the way, if you have not been to a Muster, oh my goodness, this was the best event that I had been to. And I'd read the books and I was skeptical going in because I'm like, look, I really like the guys, the content's great, but all these events are so fluffy. And you go there and it is the opposite of fluff. Why don't you just tell a little bit about Muster? Because I think you do a better job than me. No, I actually, I think it's better coming from you, honestly, because... If I, which I will, okay, I'll give my, my, my muster talk and then you can give it from an attendee. I think honestly, your perspective, Joe, is a lot more powerful, but I will say what you just said, everybody says that everybody that's attended other like trainings, other seminars, other workshops, other mastermind events, whatever, fill in the blank. Everybody always says that because there's no BS, there's no fluff where it's just the information and it's given to you from the instructors, from their perspective, based off of actual stories from combat and training and life. And we tie it into what people are going through. And we just help people understand the principles and how they can apply to their life. It's not, if you believe it, you'll achieve it. And hey, you need to, no, actually, like that's not true. Belief is critical because without belief, nothing is possible. But with belief alone, nothing is possible. Life requires you to take action. You want to win the game, step foot on the field, step on the court and take action, take the fight to your competition. That's the only way that you win. And so that's what we talk about at the muster is how do you apply the principles that we talk about? Yeah. And I think it's just the proof with the whole team. So it's not just Jocko, the entire team. And so two, two day event and I was taking notes nonstop. So I've got it broken up the before lunch, after lunch, roots of learning. You go through the four laws of combat, the dichotomy of leadership mindsets for victory. You've got the fire team drills and exercises. Those are like you break out into smaller teams and groups and just the role playing. And there's just so many. So the first two days were, I don't even know how to put it, but it just from business and the military, like I remember Jocko said, hey, it took us number of years. Like we got turned down from the book. And I don't think you yes. get that because I think right now you get to the point where you're like, oh, Jocko's the man, like extreme ownership. And But to see how many times I'm trying to think about, wow, this is crazy. There's like a lot of dumb people who turned this book down before. I'm like, did you read the book? <laughs> did you imagine being that publishing company looking at that? I mean, we told them no. 
what the New York Times number one bestseller for a long time. And then Dichotomy of Leadership. And then everything that Jocko has now produced and written as well. It's, yep, no, you have none of that because they told them that it wasn't going to work. It's amazing to look back. So I, obviously, I got the book right here, Extreme Ownership Behind. And then I've got a number. I've got a number of the other books on my shelf. So Leadership Strategy and Tactics, Discipline Equals Freedom, The Dichotomy of Leadership. And then actually this one was Gifted Out Muster, but Final Spin. Yes. And then I've even got Mikey and the Dragon. Yeah. My kids. So I love that. So you had this quote at Muster that I really liked. You said, go to war with complacency. So I'm curious, do you go to war every day now? Or is it just this habit that's your, it's just ingrained in you? Did you feel like in the beginning, you obviously had to go to war with complacency, but do you think that's like a, is it like a daily piece where you have to go to war? I feel like every day I go to war with myself to make sure that I'm at the highest level to fight complacency, but curious around what you think about that. Yeah, You should declare war against complacency every single day. And I said, you should, because it's going to be difficult for you to do that. I don't do it every day. And it's because there's days that I just, I slip up. I'm human. I just don't. And there's same with Jocko. Everyone's oh, Jocko's just like Terminator machine and every no. There are days that he's just he's not at that level all the time. It's not sustainable. Yeah. But I will tell you, when Jocko's engaged, he's a hundred percent engaged. That's what the difference is when he when it's on. That's not what a lot of people are able to do. They're not able to turn it on and be fully on during these periods of time. And that's one of the things that I've been working on trying to be better at is, hey, it's my go time. It's time. I got to focus. I got to do this. I got to do what I'm on. And then I know when there's times to turn off, I can turn off. I can be present with my family, my wife. My wife and I just got back from Maui, which is gorgeous, beautiful. We had never been before. We had saved up. We're trying to buy a house. I pulled money from our house fund for us to go to Hawaii because I was like, we're not buying anytime soon. The market's crazy, whatever. And so we went to Hawaii. And guess what? When I was in Hawaii, I wasn't doing what I do every day, grinding out with clients and eating. No, I was present with my wife because that was our 10-year anniversary trip. And so I think that's what people need to understand, that there's a balance. There's a balance to it all. But if you understand that every single day that complacency is going to creep in, it allows you to combat it, whether it's in your health, your finances, your business, your marriage your relationship with your kids, your commitments to your community, your church, your friends, it's going to creep in. It's going to creep in and try to destroy things that are good in your life. And I'm telling you right now, the biggest thing that it's going to creep into is your marriage. Because if your marriage falls apart, everything else falls apart. And that's what the devil wants to destroy is your marriage. Because if it can destroy the marriage, everything else falls apart. And so you need to be mindful that's going to creep into your marriage and it's going to cause those problems. Because there's nothing like marriage problems. There's nothing like marriage problems. Because if that can start to get bad, then it can creep in and destroy everything else. So <clears throat> you need to be mindful of protecting your marriage, which means you need to be mindful of the relationships that you have, the conversations you have the things that you're looking at, the things that you're spending your time on, <clears throat> it needs to be, you need to be putting your spouse first, your family first, your business. These are things that you just need to be aware of. And if we can be aware of those things, then we see when things start to try to creep in. The mindsets for victory, it's embedded in them, but I think it could be its own line would be integrity is probably, it's just really important because end of the day, you said, I love that you said, if you look, if you're married, is falling apart, everything's going to fall apart. And so you've got to be making sure you're taking care of that. And yeah, when you're on this weekend, we drove up to San Francisco and I took my daughter to see the Harry Potter play. And it was a ton of fun. And I wasn't doing anything related to business or work or anything like that. And, but when I'm here, I'm, my calendar is slammed. It's slammed. And I go, I operate in more of a seasonal pattern a little bit so I, I might go really hard for this stretch and then i'm like okay let's go do this babe or let's go relax over here and then i'll go really hard and right now especially this season this next three week stretch we were on pause for league basketball but okay. next three weeks it's 
three to four games a week practices and you might not see me a whole lot because like tonight we've got a game on the road so i've got to get everything done by three o'clock i'm driving this van we're going to lompoc to play at six o'clock tonight or whatever and then the kids go to dinner afterwards in the van and then you gotta drive them all back yeah it's a busy season but operating i think in those short to medium bursts and then stepping away is really good what are some of the combat commonalities that you noticed that made seals successful that versus those that weren't like and do you see those in business today you're talking about like the characteristic traits of guys in combat that were successful in combat yeah versus those who like who weren't i think the most important one it goes back to putting the team first and, and just and that's humility humility is the number one characteristic of a great leader now i also have to say put this out there because when we say characteristic of a great leader people initially think okay leader that's a boss a manager a supervisor hey i'm i don't have that title i'm not a leader your title doesn't make you a leader your ability to influence those around you to believe in themselves to believe in the mission that's what makes you a leader you don't have to have a title to be a leader within your organization your team, your church, your family, whatever. If you can help those around you believe in themselves, understand the mission, believe in the mission, accomplish the mission, that makes you a leader. And that's why one of the things that we work with our son on is as part of the wrestling team. And we tell him like, hey, like you need to be a leader. You need to keep yourself on track. You need to make sure the guys are on track. You need to be doing the right thing to push your team past the finish line. Like you need to be doing that. And so in combat, it was the same thing. It was the guys that put the team first and put accomplishing the mission above themselves. That's what's going to make you a great person, a great member of the team. And it's the same thing for business, because if you're doing that, you're exemplifying the first law of combat that we teach at Echelon Front, which is cover and move. That's working with other people to accomplish the mission, right? And when we do that, we're naturally going to build relationships. And when you build relationships, you get trust. And over time with trust comes influence. And remember, that goes back to what I just said. Your ability to influence those around you makes you a leader. So if you don't have trust and you don't have relationships, you're not going to be able to do any of that. So you have to put others first. You have to serve the team, serve the mission. And then that's what's going to make you great. And then with that naturally is going to come tenacity, being default aggressive, being a hard worker, looking for work, looking for things that need to be accomplished so you can go out there and solve those problems. Humility is the number one characteristic of a great leader, like we just talked about, finding ways to make things better. We are constantly trying to make things better in Ramadi, constantly. Innovate and adapt is a constant mindset. And discipline equals freedom. You have to be disciplined with all the things that you're working on and that will give you freedom if you want more time freedom you have to be disciplined with your time management you want financial freedom you have to be disciplined with your finances these are all things that we need to be aware of and be mindful of as we're going out there and trying to accomplish different tasks and extreme ownership honestly that's the one that is going to encompass all of it because you have to do all those other things in order for you to truly take ownership if you're truly taking ownership of the situation and environment that you're in. That means that you're going to look for ways to make things better. You're going to be, have the ability to listen and take advice from other people. You're going to try to find ways to drive ownership to other people on your team. Extreme ownership encompasses all of it. I find myself walking around my house where I'm like, I'm default aggressive. My wife laughs. I'm default aggressive. Everything default aggressive. Yeah. Like I just, and I love it, especially on the basketball court, too. I'm trying to get my guys. I just love that mentality. But you had said relationships, trust equals influence. I think a lot of teams overemphasize. I think I take the basketball team. X's and O's, plays. And in business, it might be like the process or how we do things. But in order to actually win, and I found like winning teams – if you can get those relationships right, then the team wins. And that it goes back to humility and ownership and people are willing to fill in for different spots. I love that. So as we wrap up, you've got this new mission. I say new because I know you've been doing it for a while, but I'm going new mission with Echelon. 
Yeah. What are your top three pieces of advice for achieving an elite level of mastery from your experience as a world-class sniper on Delta Platoon? Discipline is going to be number one. You have to put in the reps. You can't achieve greatness without putting in the reps. The amount of hours that I spent behind that gun, playing through scenarios, just making up different training situations, I was obsessed. I have notebooks from back in the day that I, I still have that I would be on a flight to go visit my cousin in Denver, Colorado, because I had to leave and I was going to go out and visit. We're going snowboarding. But the whole flight, I was writing in my notebook on building out urban sniper hides and kits and different setups that we could use in helicopters. And just I just was obsessed by it and wanting to be the best. And so... In order for you to be the best at something, it's going to take discipline. If you don't put in the time, you're not going to achieve that greatness. And then I would say patience because it's going to take time. You have to be dedicated to the mission. So if you're not truly dedicated, if you're not truly bought in, if you don't believe in the sacrifice that it's going to take, you'll never fully commit to that. I would say discipline, patience, and dedication. Yeah, that's really good. And I love what you added in there about being obsessed. And I think there's a healthy, I think there's maybe a dark side to obsession, but there's a healthy side to obsession where... It's not a dark side to obsession. Yeah. I talked about failed marriages earlier. The teams yeah. were number one. Yeah. Is that a good thing long-term? Yeah. When you think about discipline, being obsessed, and then marrying that with the patience for long-term thinking... That's really going to produce really great results in anything. All right, let's talk about, because I know we're wrapping up, but I want to talk about what you're building at Echelon. There's the muster, the live events. We covered that. But can you talk about the FTX, the field training exercise? I want to do this. This is, yeah. if I can make the schedule work, I want to do it this year. If not, I am doing it next year for sure. But if you could just talk about FTX. So the FTX is the field training exercises that we run at Echelon Front. It's hands-on scenario-based leadership training. We work with corporations all across the United States and Clip Notes version will give you like the classroom portion like you get from the muster or if we're doing a workshop with you, whether it's virtual or in person ahead of time. And then for the actual hands-on portion of it, we run these field training exercises at different locations throughout the United States, usually like at a paintball or airsoft facility. We've done custom build-outs on these in warehouses before if we needed to do at a facility's location. And then... We invested into these high-speed military-grade laser tag systems so that there's no projectiles, there's no safety risk of being shot with paintball or airsoft. And to be honest, most people, they don't want to be shot up by airsoft or paintball. Like, that doesn't appeal to a lot of people. Now, do you learn your lessons from standing in an area that you shouldn't? Yeah, but we're not trying to teach tactical training. Our goal is leadership training, which comes back to communication, the laws of combat, the mindsets of victory. So... We'll give you like an overview of, okay, here's the gear. Here's some basics in patrolling and tactics. And then we literally, we say, all right, hey, here's your leadership. Here's your intel package. Let us know when you're ready to brief us. Your time on target is in 20 minutes. You need to be conducting this mission in 20 minutes. And so they start to plan the mission and then they go out and conduct the mission. And the role players that you're going up against are my role-playing team, which are former and current Navy SEALs, Marines, SWAT team members, Green Berets, Barsog guys. So that's who you're going up against. But they're sticking to the script and their scenarios. So all the missions are scripted to bring and drive these leadership principles home because you feel them real time. You feel... The burden of leadership, the voids of leadership, voids of communication. You see all the things that we talk about real time. You feel these principles real time. That's why people that have attended the training, they're like the muster, that's the classroom. That's the FTX. It's the laboratory. Like that you're real time feeling these principles. So you go out, you'll conduct that mission. And then we come back and we debrief that mission real time. Okay, we just got done. What happened? What was your key takeaway from that run? Hey, Joe, you were the officer in charge of that run. What was your biggest takeaway? <clears throat> Not what you did, <clears throat> but what'd you learn? 
and what, what applies to your business. And so we talk about what you did real time because what you did real time is who you are as a leader. In a stressful situation, who you are comes out. You can't hide it. And so real time, we get to dissect who you are as a leader so that we can break it down and find ways to build you back up or build you to where you want to be as a leader. It doesn't mean that you're a bad leader when you come to the training. We want to figure out where you're at so we can bring you to the next level. And we've had all different types of leaders come through this training, literally from like a frontline brand new employee to the CEO of a multi-hundred million dollars a year type of company come through that training. And so we've done on the corporate side. So if you have a company that you want us to come out and do it with, we can do that with your company. And we also now have the individual field training exercises to where an individual can sign up for it or a small group. Let's say you have a company of five people and you want to send two people to it to try it out and just to get the principles or you have a large company and you want to test it out before you make that investment. We have the individual ones. FTX, is. we did three of them last year. FTX 004 sold out in like less than two weeks. I talked about it on Jocko's podcast, the importance of training, and boom, it was gone. It sold out. FTX 005, I think we literally have, we have six or seven spots left, and that's going to be the last week of April 28th and 29th in Dallas-Fort Worth, and then we're still trying to figure out when and where we're going to do FTX 006, but it'll be up there. Yeah, it's awesome. And we limit those FTXs so that for a corporate side, it's 25, 30, right around 25, 30 people on the individual FTXs. It's two full days of this training. We're working with Jocko, Leif, myself, Carlos, other instructors. Sometimes Jocko's there, sometimes he's not. It doesn't matter because you're getting the, the level of training no matter who's there. And it's really, it's awesome. And so there's just 35 people there. And the other part to it that's really cool that we've seen is the people that come to that training, one, it's eye-opening to them. They're like, okay, these are things that I need to focus on to apply to my life. We had a guy come to the training and he was like, oh my gosh, this is how my team feels. Because he saw another leader doing what he does and he felt frustrated. And he's like, this is how my team feels. I need to change this. And they've made some changes and their company is growing like really right now and yeah it's just it's really cool to see the real-time change in people to see them feel the impact and understand that okay hey this is what i can do to make things even better yeah and if you're an adult right now so if you're a kid and you play a high school sport so i see this so we talk about the real time who you are as a leader on the field i get this with the kids in the game because there's a practice version of you that thinks you're really sweet and really good and then i put you in the game and you freeze up Okay. <laughs> so any of my high schoolers are listening, I know which, so then I know who I can count on, but that gives me a starting point to say, Hey, here's where you can improve. Here's where yes. you, same thing in business. So this is how I view the FTX is like, it's a check to say, okay, if you, this is what you think about yourself, let's put you in a different scenario, test you out. Then you can get feedback on where you're at. I love this. Yeah. So I pulled this up FTX five, April 28th to 29th, Dallas, Fort Worth, 4,450 bucks. Steel price. This is fantastic. Two days worth of training, hands-on. I love it. I know we also know it's a lot of money, but like you just said, when you look at what you're actually getting out of two full days, it's hard to like really put in a full understanding until you've gone through it. And we had a guy go through the first one and what's awesome, he's bringing his two high school kids to FTX 005. He just signed them up. It's incredible. And so for him, he was like, hey, it's an investment into their future. Like their ability to process stuff is going to be at a much different level. And because he's been applying these principles that he learned to his business, it's been able to bring his business to that point where he's, hey, I want to bring my kids that are in high school to this training so that they can understand the impact, which I thought was really cool. We've had people come through it and go, oh, I need this for my company right now. We had a guy come through where he was like, hey, I need this for 50 of my leaders. So we did two full days with him. So we understand that there is a financial commitment and we don't ever want to downplay that. But I can tell you right now, with Jocko, Leif, and all of our clients have gone through the training. They all say it's the most impactful form of the training that we're able to provide because it's real time. You're going to learn stuff about yourself that 
maybe you hadn't been aware of. And then when you're aware of those things, you can start to fix them. The way I look at it is stress brings out who you are. So if we can, can create the stress and it brings out who you are, you can be aware of it to fix it, correct it, and improve it before an actual tragic, stressful situation has happened in your life. And then you're trying to work through that. Because if you can change these things ahead of time, it better prepares you for the adversity that life is going to throw your way. Yeah, I love that. I love this guy's bringing his high schoolers there. That's super awesome. And yeah. also, if you are a business owner or your company, you can actually probably deduct this, right? I think under education or something like that, you can write yeah. off a portion of this as education training for your company. I plan to do that. So yeah, so I love it. Awesome. Okay, so where do you hang out online? What's the best spot? Is it Twitter, LinkedIn? It's mostly Instagram. Honestly. Okay, mostly Instagram. Yeah. Awesome. All right, link to that in the show notes. We're going to link to the page, the FTX page, so any folks who listen sure. can sign up. And this was awesome. We're going to link to all the videos. Super stoked to have you on the study, JP. And yeah, man, looking forward to seeing, Hey, I'm going to be in Orlando. I'm going to Dave Ramsey's Entre Leadership event. It's like Orlando, May 21st to the 26th. Are you going to that? Are you going to be at that? No, no. Uh, okay. I I think we're, we actually have FTXs during the night. Okay. Yeah. No worries. I just saw the email, Dave Ramsey. He just got Jocko signed up to come back, which is kind of awesome because I bought this ticket like six months ago or nine months ago. And yeah, I had no idea. He's going to speak. Dave put out a message like, hey, Jocko spoke last year. Apparently he was like the fan favorite. So he was able to get him back. Yeah. Yeah. It should be a fun time. Thank you, JP. Have a great rest of the morning or afternoon and love it. Appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joe Tossi from techtables.com, and you're listening to The Public Sector Show by Tech Tables. This podcast features human-centric stories from public sector CIOs, CISOs, and technology leaders across federal, state, city, county, and higher education. You'll gain valuable insights into current issues and challenges faced by top leaders. Through interviews, speaking engagements, live podcast tour events, we offer you a behind-the-mic look at the opportunities top leaders are seeing today. And to make sure you never miss an episode, head over to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and hit that follow button and leave a quick rating. Just tap the number of stars that you think this show deserves. And to continue this darn good conversation, head over to the Q&A section on Spotify.